I'm Ansonia with Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold, a podcast which will feature conversations with musicians, singers, songwriters, radio personalities, and historians of gospel music. You will hear conversations with featured guests telling their story in history, their contributions to the riches of gospel music, and where they see gospel music trends. We will have traditional, contemporary, neo-soul, and hip-hop gospel artists, and more. We look forward to bringing exciting shows and present great episodes to keep you coming back for more. Yes. Today, Kevin Peabody delivers a unique and welcomed experience. His musical training is a rich blend of traditional and contemporary music, which has universal appeal, reaching both church and concert audiences. He has traveled to the Americas and Europe as a performer, and he is able to communicate both spiritually and culturally, expressing that I'm sorry, expressions that are welcomed by his diverse audience. Kevin is CEO of Twin Kim Productions and has worked for Oakland Youth Chorus, Leap Arts in Education, and is presently music director at St. Leo, the great school in Oakland, California. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. Hi, Kevin. Hey. Hello there. How are you, Insomnia? <laughs> I am doing just fine. I am excited because, you know, I find people to interview just by web surfing. And I, and I came across your name and I said, hmm, let me find a little bit more about this gentleman. So I appreciate that. <laughs> tell my audience more about you. Well, my name is Kevin Peabody and I grew up in East St. Louis, Illinois. And uh, I've lived in California for about 40 years now, first in San Francisco for about 20 and now in Oakland, California. Uh, I have worked with uh, a multi-artist uh, as a songwriter, as an arranger. Uh, I first began my uh, gospel um, journey in East St. Louis, Illinois. Uh, by starting one of the first high school gospel choirs at Eastside. 
And then I went on to Fisk University where I studied for two years and uh, had the honor and privilege of working with Dr. Bobby Jones and the Nashville Sound. Uh, and went on to, uh, moved on to California where I am presently. And I've worked with uh, Evan Hawkins, Walter Hawkins, um, Reverend Isaac Douglas, um, um, Reverend James Cleveland, uh, Miss Helen J. H. Stevens, all are big names on the Bay Area, in the, in the Bay Area. And I'm just glad to be on this wonderful show with Ansonia. And I hope to uh, deliver some valuable information to you and well, your audience. That is wonderful. I had no idea you were from Illinois. All right. Yes. Now I'm going to go back to something that you said. And, you know, some people don't really realize that depending on the region depends on the sound even though it's Absolutely. all gospel music there is a different sound so talk to me about the nashville sound uh, the nashville sound is uh, a sound that uh does get a lot of play particularly in the uh 70s and the 80s and i think that in terms of delivering that nashville sound it can be a hard gospel sound uh, which dr jones is a traditionalist and has delivered it uh, on BET for more than 30 years. When I first met Dr. Jones, he was with the group called the Royal Gospel Singers. And it is the first professional gospel group that I played for. And uh, much of their music was uh, done after quartet, um, the caravans, um, and they were a phenomenal uh, men's group. Then, uh, in fact, we, uh, did uh, a, an album with uh, Reverend Isaac Douglas, who was from the East Coast, uh, from New York. Mm -hmm. And um, the sound of gospel in Nashville has, Nashville has some of the greatest gospel singers, starting with the BCNM Mass Choir, the 21st Century Singers, and of course, what you hear now uh, in terms of recorded music, uh, you hear the Nashville sound through Dr. Bobby Jones. He's been the predominant one there. Okay. All right. Now. <laughs> well, and you said that you have written songs. Now, when you began writing your songs, who was the first artist to record your song? Uh, the first artist to record my song was a group called the 21st Century Singers. They were all on the Nashville label. Uh, there is an article regarding the 21st century singers now um, that uh, is getting quite a bit of appeal. Uh, I wrote a song called uh, The Sun Will Shine After a While, which was a flip of Reverend James Cleveland's The Sun Will Shine After a While. And uh, out of that group, we worked with uh, Mr. John Hasten, was the pianist, uh, who was from Institutional. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> In what you say, Church of God in Christ? <laughs> Come on here now. And uh, uh, at, at Charles Barnett, who was also the musician for Reverend James Cleveland. My first song was on that particular, uh, uh, from that particular country co company in 1974. Okay. All right. Now, I was a student. and then my first album was the Fisk Modern Black Mass Choir, which um, recorded in 1973 on the Nashville label. We uh, that particular project is the only gospel project that Fisk University has produced. Really? And to be on it. Mm, OK. So that's history there. Yeah. 
I like I like history. I like to get a note of history because I like to be informative to people that are listening to the show. So not only they're listening and saying, hey, you know, maybe I, I've heard this or maybe I've heard that, but also to get a tad bit of history because a lot of our gospel music history is not really out there. It's not yeah. written. And, right. you know, that's part of trying to highlight people who are behind the scenes, who've been doing things. Mm -hmm. And you have been working since 74. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. So that is that is wonderful. Let me ask you, what was your favorite? I'll, we'll, I'll just go by the decade. Okay. So in the 70s, what was your favorite group to work with? Uh, hands down, my favorite group to work with in the 70s was uh, the 21st Century Singers. It was composed of two guys and a girl, a uh, guy by the name of Johnny Whitaker, Lula Bishop, and a guy by the name of Charles Miller. They were absolutely phenomenal. You can see their work on YouTube. It's the 21st Century Singers. And they were uh, very contemporary for their time, had a very unique sound. Um, they were, um, their producer was a guy by the name of Shannon Williams, who produced uh, people like, um, let's see, where do I start? Dorothy Love Coates, uh, the BCNM Mass Choir, mm -hmm. uh, the Clara Ward Singers. He had a phenomenal background in gospel and for Southern gospel. Okay. Okay. Well, that is and second. Secondly, would probably be uh, my favorite group would be the Royals and the going to hear the BCN Mass Choir. The impetus for what you what what has been in the past for Bobby Jones's early um, singers, uh, we started a group called the Love Train, and from mm. that particular group back in maybe 1974. Uh, he took that group on the road and many of those singers are still with him and been there for at least 25 years. Mm, okay. it's, it's just not an overnight experience. Just, I mean, you can look look at Kurt Franklin. Kurt Franklin mm -hmm. would be in 1990. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's yeah. not an experience. Yeah, that's so, what, um, actually I got into a conversation with someone who was younger than I, yeah and had never heard of uh, Milton Brunson, but heard of the Thompson Community Choir, well, uh, the Tommies. And they, and they said, I didn't know he could sing. I was like, well, uh, he started off. And I said, the choir, they think, or I found something written that said the Tommies started in the 90s. And I said, oh, no, the Tommies started back in the 40s or 50s. That is correct. <laughs> They're the oldest community choir uh, in the nation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The so, you know, when people think about overnight success, that is not what happens. That is not the thing. <laughs> it's not like these TikTok stars nowadays, but I won't talk about them. <laughs> TikTok, that's what it is, a TikTok. But in that, so let's move into the 80s. Who was your favorite group to work with in the 80s? Undoubtedly, Walter Hawkins and the Left Center Choir. Undoubtedly. Okay. Uh, I moved here in the 80s and um, my wife and I uh, went over to the Left Center Church. At that time, they were at 8901 McAllister Boulevard. And let me tell you, it was some singing going on up in there. Mm -hmm. So we got there, we caught the bus from San Francisco and uh, my wife said, where's the church? I said, it's right there. 
She said, right, where? It was, it was a little store. <laughs> it was a little storefront, had a Mugs root beer sign on it. And it was non-traditional, but it was uh, the vocals and what uh, the Love Center Church has been able to deliver over the last 50 years, in which they'll celebrate the 50th year anniversary in October, has been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And it changed the face of gospel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, undoubtedly. Because there were there was a lot of controversy. Um, I remember I was a little girl singing in the choir, and the choir director came out with a Walter Hawkins song. Now right. the kids the kids enjoyed it, but the the, it. the adults were like, "Oh no, we, we can't sing that." <laughs> you know, I grew up in that time when you couldn't even rock. You had to stand flat footed. I was like, "Oh no, we brought in the two step. That's what uh, we brought in." <laughs> like baby shark da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, now they're doing everything <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah you know uh, i they, said i remember a time that wasn't gonna fly at all yeah i remembered um well I, i'm midwest and right. definitely from chicago the the roots and I definitely remember a night of a uh, concert and we were sitting there cause we were on schedule to sing and right. father Hayes, uh, this was when Ricky Dillard was just, getting, just right. getting, uh, getting up and getting started and right. Ricky Dillard and the choir got up there and they stopped the music to dance <laughs> and father Hayes got up and said, uh-uh, we are not having that up in here. It's true. True but, story. Mm -hmm. Absolutely true story. And they're making quite a comeback. Have you been watching them lately? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. They're coming back. They're coming yes. back. They're trying to bring the choir. I love the little swing they got. <laughs> Don't they have swing? Yeah. I said, all right, all right. I see you. Yeah. I've, uh, I've known Ricky, we we cross paths because I sang in a different group, but we right. would cross paths and stuff. And I would just admire that. And I'm like, I can't be singing and moving like that. I just can't. <laughs> uh-huh. With heels. Uh-huh. Mm. With heels. Oh yeah. Mm. But I first I first met him in uh 1990 at the GMW in Utah. Okay. Yeah, that was my first time meeting Ricky Dillon. Yeah, he's a nice guy. <laughs> he's a great guy. And one of the greatest directors. Mm -hmm. Give it to him. Yeah, and, and and contemporary directing when he was doing that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because right. he right. was he was ahead of his time. Very uh, much. in in that. Not saying that he's has been now, but he was ahead of his time and a lot of uh, directors follow behind him. Absolutely. So now that we've gotten to the 70s and the 80s. Who right. is your favorite group in the 90s? Favorite group in the 90s to was probably uh, the Seminole Choir, uh, Evan Hawkins Music and Arts Love uh, Fellowship. It started mm -hmm. off at Seminole Choir. And uh, also the late for the late 80s, it would have been the Reverend James Cleveland. Okay. Uh, we did, uh, I did one project with him. Uh, I have a song on um, Northern Cal and Southern Cal called Come On Up to Higher Ground. I was a, I was a Clevelandite. I loved Reverend James Cleveland. Even from the, the 70s, uh, I loved Reverend James Cleveland and miss him dearly. Mm -hmm. you 
what he had to bring, what he brought to the format. If you look at history, um, you discover that it is uh, first uh, Reverend Cleveland and then next Edwin Hawkins. And both brought in a, a phenomenal sound. Mm -hmm. And I love the Detroit sound as well. Okay, you, you're naming everybody but Chicago, but that's all right, no, just kidding, because Cleveland oh, was from Chicago. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you, you can't miss Chicago. I, you know, Clay Evans. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. I was in love with the Tommies as well. I've been on stage with the Tommies. Uh, that was back in the days when Jesse Dixon was directing for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Back in the day. A lot of people don't remember those days. And then by the 80s, they flipped. You know, the, they flipped the sound because mm -hmm. they got rid of that because they used to have four-part harmony and they began to concentrate on that more contemporary sound of three-part harmony, mm -hmm. which uh, Reverend James Cleveland introduced because the R&B sound used three parts. So it, it, it uh, they, their sound was transformed with my minds made up. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> People will sit by the radio. That'll tell you how old how old we are. <laughs> People sit by the radio and, and wait until uh, Bronson, because Bronson had a radio show. Yes. And he would release. I used to. He was encouraging to me. Pastor Brunson was encouraging to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. When I directed or something, he you know, he came up to me, and a lot of people wouldn't do that. He came up and said, I enjoyed you, young man. And that meant a lot to me. That's very encouraging. Mm -hmm. Very encouraging. People don't, people don't understand the, um, the, the, the wealth you get from somebody yes, just saying something. Because yes. mm -hmm. sometimes you think you're off track. You, 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 you're not being up to par, but it does mean a lot when you, when you hear people who are, who have uh, made great accomplishments come up to, to you and compliment your work. Mm -hmm. I try to do that for the youngins. You absolutely. Did you call them youngins? Youngins. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you something real deep. Out of all of the songs that you have penned, mm -hmm. name your top three favorites and okay. why, and why are they your favorites? Uh, out of all the songs I've penned, my, my favorite is a song called Fear Cannot Live, Where Faith is Supposed to Reside. Mm. Uh, and I wrote that song in uh, 1996. Uh, I was working for Saks Fifth Avenue. And uh, I was in a, um, a terrible position where I just hated it. Mm. And, uh, and I even hated it more when I discovered that I was training someone who was younger than I. Uh, I had more education than them and they were blonde and white. And they, not only that, they were making more money than I. And I began to understand uh, how people could go on, go in, and kill up a bunch of people. Mm -mm. <laughs> because I was almost there. And I turned it over to God. I said, well, God, I'm gonna trust you all the way this time, because I got to come out of here. Mm -hmm. This is not working for me. The anxiety level uh, is taking its toll on me. And I don't know how long I'll be able to stand in this environment. And I quit that job in 1996, and I took up a music career full-time, and I haven't looked back since. Oh. I'm like Reverend James Cleveland. If you have the faith, God's got the power. Oh, yeah. 
Most definitely. God's power, if you have the faith, but faith is the key to your success. And I haven't looked back at all. My second most favorite song is a song called Thank You For Being A Friend, uh, which I recorded uh, with uh, two artists. Uh, one, um, the, the most recent is Ashlyn Cole. She was the uh, white female uh, who was featured on Sunday's Best. Uh, and uh, it has some great lyrics and a great contemporary blend. Uh, my last is probably um, There Will Be Peace in the Valley. It, it was recorded by Wanda Negro Butler. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, a lot of people love that song. It was a, a rearrangement of Thomas Dorsey's song. Okay. Now, when you talk about rearranging a song. Yes. I know that there has to be, first you say, hmm, I like the way it's written. Right. But I would like to do, and tell me what you, what made you. You would like to first know that it is um, free to use. (laughs) 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 Because what you discover along the way, if it's not 50 years or older and they haven't renewed uh, the copyright on it, you know, then it just becomes public domain and anybody can use it. Mm-hmm. But if you use Peace in the Valley like I did, only to discover that all your royalties go to one person, Thomas A. Dorsey. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So you have to be very careful with arrangements. Uh, and I think I've been around the, the probably the greatest arranger is Edwin Hawkins. He just has a real keen knack for it. If you listen to his early work with Oh Happy Day, all of those are arrangements. Mm-hmm. Arrangements mm-hmm. from uh, Mahalia Jackson songs. But he, had, he has a very a phenomenal twist to them. Mm-hmm. Made it fresh and anew. And, he did re- and then he went into, you know, doing some other things where he could get all the credit. Mm-hmm. Now, um, believe it or not, Oh Happy Day, I actually did a tribute show, uh, I think right. it was last year, right. of the song Oh Happy Day. Right. And it was, a, it was 18, it was 1885 or somewhere around right. that. Right. And when I had, when I mentioned that in the the show, right. one person got in contact with me and said, when I said 1885, that song was actually written. That's correct. But Walter rearranged it. I mean, Edwin, Edwin, I'm sorry. Edwin rearranged it and used it for a, um, it was a contest that they were going for. And that's the song that they sang to, to do a contest. And it got picked up by a secular station. And that's how that song took off. Well, well, actually, it was uh, the Northern Cal uh, Kojic. Uh, he was the musician for that choir. Mm-hmm. And they, they decided that they wanted to do an album. And so what, that's what they did. They put together an album which had Tremaine, like very young Tremaine. Uh, um, I can't think of Ruth's last name. But all of the, some of those people are still living. Um, and it became a mega hit. Some guy picked it up late one night and said, let's play this old happy day. And the, the people caught on to it. And it was and, just a stroke of the pen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yes. And several yeah. people that I've 
that I've been told that have gone overseas that they can't leave a concert. They can't leave a concert without singing that song. (laughs) No, it's it's the truth. When you go overseas, when you go to Europe, you know, that's generally your last song. And the Europeans sing it for at least 15 minutes. (laughs) What'd you say, 15 minutes? You're like, really? We sing all these other songs, and you gonna sing this? They love "Oh Happy Day," "Oh Happy," "Oh Happy Day." They say, mm. "Yeah." I, you know, I've done uh, Australia. Uh, I worked with a guy by the name of Emmett Powell, who was a, um, a local uh, religious announcer in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a group called Emmett Powell and the Gospel Elites. Uh, their uh, contribution uh, was going overseas. Uh, mainly they went to France, Italy, um, um, uh, those were mainstays, I believe, um, Switzerland, uh, Germany, and they'd go every year for, for at least uh, from the late seventies up all the way up until the early two thousands. Okay. So it just shows you that your work as an artist, you no one may not have heard of you, but there's a whole new audience that is available to you in Europe. Mm-hmm. They have, have, have a more um, appreciation for traditional music. They, in fact, they prefer traditional gospel music. Uh, only in places like Copenhagen and um, England can you really get away with a lot of contemporary. Okay, okay. That's a good note to know. If oh, ever I want to travel there and sing, but anyway. <laughs> so, in in your travels, yes, and in your involvement with schools and colleges, yes, which choir or choirs have you taken to Europe with you? I've never uh, been involved with uh, a college choir going to Europe. I can. Mm kind of give you I've been on a guy by the name of Bob Maravich who is a gospel historian out of historian out of Chicago I've been on his show several times and uh what we actually talk about is uh, how the uh gospel choir college gospel choir actually began and the first college gospel choir was Howard University uh with uh, Richard Smallwood mm-hmm. and a uh, second College Gospel Choir was Fisk University, which started in 1969. Uh, And uh, out of that, there are very few who scored a major deal with the record company, even though the Howard University Choir did record in the 80s uh, under uh, Tom Bell, uh, who who had the Stax label. But uh, Fisk is probably the only one that had a major contract. And also uh, the uh, National Convention of College and University Gospel Choirs. I was a member of that in its, in its inception in Atlanta, Georgia in the early 70s. Okay. So I, I don't think there have been too many gospel choirs to take it overseas due to the fact that most college choirs only in for not for eight, month, eight months. Okay. And then they're out for the summer. Well, that's good to know, because I didn't know that the college choirs don't travel. I know that. Not that. No. You won't get a lot of. We traveled. um, They travel, but I'm I'm not 
particularly, I don't know anything about their European exposure. Okay. Yeah. Like our first tour was uh, in 74 was uh, Push, Jesse Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, C.L. Franklin, who I did mm-hmm. meet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what you say? Character. Aretha Franklin's father was something else. I heard. <laughs> Quite a character. The Reverend James Cleveland, uh, he presented us. Helen J. Stevens presented us uh, in Northern California. And then we went down uh, uh, further down south uh, and met up with a, a, a Alexander Hamilton and uh, a guy by the name of Kenneth Ulmer, mm. who was playing organ at that time. Okay. <laughs> you know about Kenneth Ulmer? I've, the, very, uh, the, very vaguely, very vague information. Kenneth Ulmer is pastor uh, of uh, a mega church in Southern California now. Okay. Uh, as a, uh, a musician. Okay. A I heard the name, hey. but I have not... Um, found a lot of I haven't done any research on them yet but you know you're telling me about some people that I'm gonna do some research on because I told you I was checking you out (laughs) he's a name that you should definitely know he's 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 one of the megas okay yeah all right now I am looking at and you gave me a portfolio this is the first time I've ever gotten a portfolio this is so nice this is so nice where you give your information about your experience in great music. And you talk about the 18th annual gospel music and academic workshop. Talk about that for a second. That's a uh, academic workshop that uh, took place in, uh, in Oakland, California. And it is an event that was sponsored yearly at the Paramount Theater where they brought in uh, artists from all around the country. And they also um, uh, did the locals. So it was, it was a huge event. Um, one of the guys just died recently. His name was Richard Heron. And it was sponsored by a group called the GL Befford Specials. Uh, the director was from actually from Gary, Indiana, originally. Mm. And uh, for many years, they were the barometer of uh, you know coming to all the gospel artists coming together in a huge auditorium in the Paramount Theater. Oh yeah, those are those were the wonderful great days because you could yes. sit there and, and hear oh. all different now um, we talk about in Chicago about what used to happen is we would do go from broadcast to broadcast but I love was... that I remember <laughs> the broadcast days oh yeah because you now would go broadcast huh? days. now it's Facebook yes 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 same same concept that's where I started out on the broadcast oh yeah if not, yeah if it had not been for the broadcast I, I would not I wouldn't know where, where I'd be as a child I paid attention Okay. And we had a, I, I grew up in the Macedon, in the Macedonia Baptist Church, and also a church by the name of Morning Star Baptist Church. And we had a, a nightly broadcast began at 9pm every Sunday night. And that's where I, as a child, 
I gained exposure to these singers, Cassietta George, Dorothy Norwood, Reverend Cleophus Robinson, the O'Neill twins. Uh, and I, my first professional singer that I met face to face was um, May. Um, Which May? Uh, Annette. May. Okay. Uh, I just can't call his first name. I just can't call his first name. Okay. <laughs> but he, was, he, was, he was the guy that, search me, Lord. Please search me, Lord. Da -da -da. Turn the light from here. Was, that, was, that, was George? that George? Was that George Mays? Brother Joe May. Joe May. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Brother Joe May. And it, it's very interesting because his I, when I met his father as a child, I must have been maybe nine or 10 years old. Then when I made it to high school, Arthur May, his son, was my driving instructor. Mm. And Annette May and Charles May were visitors to our church doing the broadcast. Now, if you don't know anything about Charles May, Charles May was a phenomenal writer and singer. And... Uh, he, he worked with Quincy Jones and big names and, you know, and, and Annette May was the person who was responsible for bringing the Reverend James Cleveland to Los Angeles, California. And the rest okay. is history. And okay. she is the executor of his estate. Oh, okay. She okay. also is a great singer. She's a singer of Give Me a Clean, Give Me a Clean Heart. Oh. That's Annette May. Okay, okay. I know who you're talking about now. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, sometimes you hear people sing right. or you hear people play, but you can't associate them with the face. With, face right. Mm -hmm. If you don't see them, because, you know, broadcast, I know that uh, sometimes I'll be listening to something on the on the radio. Now I can pick right. up voices. Right. But sometimes I can't name the exact song. But, right. Uh, yeah. Right. Mm hmm. <laughs> Then we, then you know, when I you you could also get uh, first church deliverance in our area. Oh, you can. Oh, you, uh, at 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 in, in East St. Louis, you could get that at eleven o'clock. Yeah. Now that was the that was the program. <laughs> that was the program. Absolutely, they shaped. Uh, not only did they shape broadcasts, they shaped services and the and the orders of services that many people that many churches emulated. Mm. Okay. All right now. So you're yeah. telling me something? That part I didn't know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So that is and really it was nice. the and, and it was one of the only uh huge broadcasts that went down into the South and Midwest where the the early writers could get their music out so other people could hear it. That's why we saw Sally Martin becoming members, Kenneth Morris, who was the organist and who introduced the Hammond organ, and Thomas Dorsey coming over to teach his songs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, believe it or not, uh, I did meet Sally Martin just, I think it was a year before she passed. Right. I met Sally Martin. I told somebody and they were like, you mm -hmm. are not that old. I said, you know, she lived till she was almost 100. Right. <laughs> She yeah. was almost a hundred years old when she passed. It'll help you, won't it? <laughs> this will help you. Uh -huh. I remember 
You uh, there's an there's one other name that I, I I couldn't go without mentioning. In in the 70s, I always I also loved Harrison Johnson and the LA Community Choir. Oh yeah. Okay. And I I would probably say Harrison was one of the persons who mentored me as well. He wrote the songs like I decided to make Jesus my choice, uh, which people still sing. Mm -hmm. Lord help me to hold out. People still singing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that was a jam. Lord, and he's still living. Lord, Lift down there. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and you be in that old church with them rickety floors, and you hit it right. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. And don't get your hand caught in one of those brown chairs. <laughs> it's over. It's not, you know the wooden ones with the. <laughs> oh, brother! You have the storefront. <laughs> At the steel side, you oh, you you ready to sit down and put your hand up? <laughs> that is not a good place for you to be. Oh, brother! Don't okay, do it. Don't, so, don't be making me laugh too hard. Don't make <laughs> me laugh too hard. <laughs> I got Joe. Comedy is my next step. I'm oh, is that you. it? Is that it? Okay. Oh, we have to be comedy. Now, when you when you made your move in 1996, and I tell people all the time, right. you know, you have to know where your ministry is i'll put it that way yeah. because god will move you at different times right. and true. so when you moved into strictly doing music right were you apprehensive at first no i if, if i had been apprehensive i probably have an orange suit on <laughs> Or striped, or striped. Or striped. <laughs> I had to get up out of there. I was like, uh, uh that's it. And then, and then to learn that, that there was a ten thousand dollar difference between the salaries of white folk and black folk throughout the store. Wow. Wow. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? They, they'll hire black people, but they'll get two for one. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's, it's a game, isn't it? Someone once told me that there was, oh, they they're not um, like that in California. No. Uh, yeah. Okay. This is worldwide. <laughs> it is. It mm -hmm. is. It's it's more prevalent in some areas, like in in where I live. It's sectioned off, and you right. know where your boundaries are. But right. in the other south places, side the north side. Uh huh. And the west side, don't forget that. And the west side. And, and some people don't know that that there's a east side of Chicago, but they don't talk about that much. Uh -huh. That's the unforgotten child. <laughs> Interesting. You know, I was uh, I was uh, in Chicago recently in uh, in April. I've been there twice in April, and uh, one of my friends uh, they had a party uh, for me with some of the local musicians, and, and to know that some of them were listening actually knew my music. Mm -hmm. And my some of my accomplishments really made me feel, feel real, real, very well. That's why I love Chicago. <laughs> I would move there, but I couldn't do it. It's just too cold. you can't do the winter. I, I know can't you do can't do winter. No, I'm too old for the cold. Especially but I can't do it. I remember my well, my sister is in California, and she came here. I think it might have been like April or May, and she said something about, do you have a fur coat? I said, a fur coat? It ain't cold. It's 60 <laughs> degrees. She said, I am freezing. <laughs> Wait a minute. That, that time I came to Chicago, it must have been like the, I, I came to the Gospel Fest, 
And um, it rained, it's I don't want to say 2016, mm. rained, first night was okay. I got there, it was like 72 degrees. The next day it rained and that temperature dropped down to about 55, 50, 45. I'm like, well, hold on, hold up, wait a minute. You know, I got on, you know, I'm wearing summer stuff. This is not working for me. Mm -hmm. I had to go buy a sweater, you know. And, you know that was you got to be ready for all kinds of weather. My friend had a long coat. I was like, for real, for real. June, the first week in June. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There were puddles um, of water on the stage down at, and I was like, I don't know how they do, how they perform with those puddles of water. Oh, they just step around them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, I don't know, Richard. I don't know if I could do that one, bro. Oh, you brother. You have, you have really got to be here. Um, we had a July, there was a July concert and I'm going to have to show the video of that one day right. and we're sitting in there in July it's supposed to be warm people right. sitting out there with coats and sweaters on is and it was threatening rain and it was it was ridiculous and we're like how in the world drop. is this July that, that temperature drop will get you and then sometimes I was there I think it was the like right after Thanksgiving and it had been fine. But as soon as I got ready to get out of there, that temperature went bam. Like, Thank you. I'm on my way. So you would never survive like a 15 degree below zero day. No, I would <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. I'm not trying to do that. Okay. Oh yeah, we be we be uh, out there. We be out there in it. It's the wind chill factor. It's the wind that blows you. Well, that too. That too. Yeah. We when we have windy days. I don't need no help on my way. We you have know, like pushed. 50, yeah, yeah. 60 mile an hour winds blowing. Right. Like, Wait a minute, am I driving yeah. in a car? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. You know, okay. okay. I mean, they they love it. I was like, you go ahead. Those not cold on yes, kids. Well, that's because you're from you from beautiful Oakland, and you don't have those. Right, people. right. For a little while, you know. I know. I know a lot about snow now. Don't don't, don't get me wrong. Mm. But I left there. <laughs> I left that behind me. <laughs> now I'll tell you, we went on um, on tour. I sang with James Chambers and Ecclesiastes Community mm -hmm. Choir. Beautiful. And we my son, yes, sir, I still <laughs> My, 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 uh, Jeremiah's church. But oh, okay. I met him for a second time over at Bishop's church. Uh, last name so T. Uh, he, they were Trotter. Me. Bishop That's Trotter. Right. Larry Bishop. Trotter. <laughs> he preaches well. And the way they carry it on up in there. <laughs> Sweet Holy Spirit. That's the name of Come the church. Come on here now. <laughs> Come on here. 
They did some carrying on up in there. I said, okay, all right, I kind of like this. Now, no, I well, I sang with Chicago Mass and I sang with Ecclesiastes Community Choir. Didn't they didn't it come, weren't they that for at first? No. That's a no. whole nother story, I tell you that. But okay. James Chambers founded both groups. Oh, I gotcha. Got the Ecclesiastes Community Choir was started in 72. Right. They were big at the workshop. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And then uh -huh. in 1988, James Chambers started the ECC Music Workshop. Gotcha. And out of that started a choir. And they were initially called the ECC Music Workshop Choir. I see. But for other reasons he had to change the name plus it was other people there were people from all over chicago indiana michigan that were in the choir so he changed it to chicago mass choir and although the, the choir recorded in 1988 and then in 1989 the first album didn't get released until 1990 under chicago mass choir that's why we use the tommy's reunion choir <laughs> So See, only the church people would know about that. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. So okay. <laughs> now we were what I was saying about was when you talked about we talked about the weather. ECC right. was at James Cleveland's church. We were at Midnight Musical. Okay. And we were sitting all the way up because you know his church had, I think I had it had to have 15 levels. I'm just joking about that, but it was right, it was right. extremely high. <laughs> And we were sitting around the top part with these black robes on. And that particular day, it was 110 degrees before we got to the service. So, of course, it was hot up there in that choir stand. Oh, my goodness. Really hot. So when you talk about the extremes, I can deal with the cold. Give me right. 15, right. give me 15 below zero right. anytime in Chicago rather than that 105 but in a, in a church with a lot of people in there, Whew, I right. think it had to be 152 degrees in that church. I know, I know. It you, was you so getting, hot. Yeah, you were getting me to, to ask me how I survived in terms of when I left my full time position, mm -hmm. and I had I had twin boys. Okay. Faith, and uh, my work. My wife worked full time, but I worked uh, odd jobs. I. Um, uh, I worked as a waiter. Uh, I um, uh, did uh, catering uh, events in San Francisco. Uh, and then uh, I had, uh, I picked up church positions that paid me a, a, a living salary. Okay. And uh, so it, it worked out on my behalf. I've worked for the AME. I've worked for the Third Baptist Church of San Francisco. Uh, I've worked for um, uh, the Church of God in Christ. I've worked for um, uh, Presbyterian, white Presbyterian churches. Okay. And it just worked in my favor. Okay. Now in that, I'm going to ask you a question about, because some musicians, I'm in a musician's group, right. and they talk about that. Now, right. in, now, do you remember Lavelle Lacey? I do. From okay, so Lavelle and I were friends, and we used to talk. And uh, he told me, I, "This is something that I was not aware of: is that musicians, a lot of musicians, don't get what you would call, like you say, a living wage. They That's didn't correct. have health insurance, etc. Health insurance, medical, and that sort of thing. No, right. So, true. in in thinking about that, 
how could a musician go about we're requiring that before getting hired for a church? I will tell you that at many of the mega churches, uh, if you're maybe at TD Jakes, they um, uh, West Angeles, I know for sure. Um, uh, Trinity United Methodist Church, they do have, they they take out taxes and they pay your social security and they do offer you benefits. Now, a lot of times where the musician goes wrong is that he doesn't report his income because if you don't have any income, you can't get any credit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able, even if you're earning a decent wage, uh, probably um, the, the thing that a lot of younger musicians have to start to have to remember is that you need to get a, an education. That's number one. Okay. So you'll have something to fall back on. I also fall back on teaching. I do that uh, 25 hours a week. Okay. So, but it's, it's music. So you need to have something that you love and that you can fall back on and you need some paper, period. Mm -hmm. You need some paper. Okay. Yeah, because the, the day where a musician doesn't, or anyone doesn't have a high school diploma, an associate's degree, some type of uh, certification, that day is over. Mm -hmm. It, it is. Over. It's been over. So I would uh, really encourage uh, all persons who are involved in music ministry to get an education, to get an education. Mm -hmm. Something to fall back on. Yeah, because that was- to fall back on. Because you, you don't have to sweep up stuff if you got a, <laughs> some paper. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've read your options. You have better options. Yeah, that's true. You have better options. And that's the position that you always want to be in. And sometimes, well, this was a saying that my grandmother always had me growing up and I didn't understand it as a little girl. Right. Your education is something they can never take from you. That's and correct. I, I said, that's the thing that they don't want you to have. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so she would she would tell me that and I never thought about it. I never did, you know, like, oh well, whatever. Yeah. But when you have an education, you find ways if you want find yourself having to leave a job because right. you need to leave it for your own sanity. That's correct. And and for other safety. Right. For other safety. And other right. safety. That's right. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> so if you find that you when you have a degree or when you have some additional knowledge, you can then transition that into something else. That is correct. So you're not That's sitting there looking at a dead end job. Looking at a dead end. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So now tell me how your name came about for your company. Uh, twin Kevin. Eddie, Mary. Kevin is my son. Mary is my wife and Eddie is my son. So it's twin Kim and I have twins. Okay. Get it. <laughs> well, that's a twist on a riff. 
Right, 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 right. You a poet and don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to find out um, really what makes people get motivated right? and what makes people decide to make a decision, decide to make a decision. Okay, wait, that, yeah. that was like a double entendre. Right, right, right. right. But, but I understood it, you know. <laughs> What can I say? I just did it. You know? So I always wonder how someone goes into that. So that was a a transition in 1996. Right. I, know, I know that day's going to stick with me. In 1996, right. that was a transition. But some people will look at that and say, well, I think I'm stuck here. Right. And don't realize that they have, like you said, other options. There are options. That's right. And and positive options. And positive options. So in, in looking at that as a musician and as a songwriter, we know that some songwriters, they write a song because they want to get a hit. Right. But then there's other songwriters that are motivated by the word of the Lord. Right. And they get inspired by that. Right. So what was your major inspiration? Uh, my major inspiration it ha has got to be God, because nobody would go on this journey without God. Let me tell you. Listen, try to help somebody here. You, know, you will not be able to walk alone. You have to depend on God, and have the faith that you can make it and succeed. And I tell you, I tell you, Cleve used to have Reverend Cleve used to have that sign that said. If you have the faith, God has the power. Mm -hmm. And I take that on literally. And another thing that I take on literally is you can't be big when little got you. Wow. Say that again. You can't be big when little got you. All right. I and like that. Was little. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. I like that. I like that. Can't be big. And 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 things that that inspire me. I, I love to travel. Uh um I was in uh Spain uh, and I did a workshop with a gospel choir there. Uh things have changed in terms of the European scene and European choirs. Some and, and many times they don't call on Americans anymore because some of them can do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And they have uh, duplicated the sound, but what they don't have is the experience and the writers, because they don't sing from the same experience. We okay. sing from you got that. Mm -hmm. We sing from the black experience, and we sing from the black Christian experience, which is totally different. Mm -hmm. Maybe a different theology in what they embrace. I'm glad you said that. Um, I was watching a video of a young man, and he was of Asian descent, and right. he was playing the mess out of the song. And right. I said, "Sure, you can play the song." And I was, and you know, people were talking about, "Oh, that's right. anointed," and blah blah blah. Right. And I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to dispute right. with you. But I say. Does he feel the experience? I can play, right. I can play right. Beethoven. Okay. That's and 
I'm gonna play it because I'm watching the notes and I'm playing it like like it's real. That's correct. That's correct. And but can you veer from it and actually uh, feel something from what you're playing mm -hmm. and transform that music so the listener will pick up a different spin on it mm -hmm. other than what you're looking at it because there's so many people that all they can do is look mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it comes right off the paper just like that right mm -hmm. that's where you can experience when you can transcribe it for someone else and make it fresh and anew Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And that's what I what I uh I think it was a even an Asian choir was singing a Tremaine Hawkins song. Right. And, and there were quite a few of them as well. In fact, my the, the first shout worthy was done by an Asian singer. Mm. Wow. And it's probably the first it was recorded in 2002 at uh, Evan Hawkins Music and Arts Love Fellowship. And it is probably the first song that features an Asian vocalist with a mixed gospel choir, meaning, meaning European, African-American, and Asian. Mm. And it's on YouTube. It's called, okay. the song's called Shoutworthy. Okay. All right. I have to look that up. But I, you know, I always say that people have to go through the experience. That is correct and really know something <laughs> and, and really know what's going on you right. know you, you... right she's brazilian and she was brazilian she's originally from brazil so that counts they got they do have africans there <laughs> they got them everywhere people be trying to hide it except come on, in, come on. except come on. in switzerland right right Ex yes. except in switzerland understand <laughs> Say if I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle, victory will be mine. Okay. I, I need to hold my peace. All this stuff. Right. Oh, man. Okay. I'm a Black Studies major, so I can really talk about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, at so, one of the oldest institutions, and that would be San Francisco State University mm, for Black Studies. Okay. It was the first. So I had teachers like, um, Angela Davis. Mm, wow. Dr. Wade Nobles. Oh boy. Oh, I had some, I had some real, I had some great teachers. You had some very deep yes. instructors. instructors. They weren't just teachers, they were they, instructors. They know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed, because they lived it. Yeah. Saw yeah, it. That's right. That's true. That's true. That's those are the people that can tell you the the absolute truth is those that have lived through it. And I guess that's what I'm saying too about these, about certain songs. You have lived through something Absolutely. because you can hear a song. And I was at a, actually at a, I'm going to transition for a second, at okay. a dinner in a, at a conference and happened to mention, because we were going around the table introducing ourselves, and I said, right. yes, I'm a singer. You know, I said, and jokingly, I said, well, I'm, a, I'm more of a funeral singer because my old church, whenever somebody passes, they call me and say, can you come and sing? So <laughs> I said, I, mu I must be a funeral singer. So <laughs> right. one of the first questions uh, a Caucasian lady asked me was, well, what song do you sing? Amazing Grace? And I said, no, no. No. Why would you think that? 
oh, well, I thought that was the funeral song. And I was like, mm-mm. I mm-hmm. say it depends on the family. It right. depends okay. on the, uh, the what they what they at the church and uh-huh. or what they request. Right. Because there, there are times when a, a family will request a specific song. Right. So you don't come in and sing Amazing Grace at every that is correct. Every event. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's like you don't come and sing an album with Maria every event. <laughs> so and I was like, and it would be that up later. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it wouldn't be the amazing grace that you're thinking of. No, no, no. The, uh, and then you, you pause. <laughs> Come on, that's good. Listen, you gotta know the nuances. You gotta know the nuances. Listen, you better tell somebody. Oh my gosh, let me that comes from years and years of watching church and being watching the other singers mm-hmm. to know the nuances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And know the accents and uh-huh. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. And how and because there are certain words that you say certain ways. Mm-hmm. Particularly with black folk. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. Oh my but, goodness. I think Cleve had the real gift for that. His ability to talk to black people was phenomenal. That's one thing that impressed me. How he could take that experience out of the depression and translate it through the golden era and to a contemporary crowd was just amazing to me. Mm, mm. Sometimes you have to say he could just talk and the people really embraced what he had to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember there was a saying, I read the, I read an article, I was, I actually did a tribute show to him. Right. And then I also talked to a woman who wrote a book about him. Okay. And one of the sayings that he had was, gospel music is the bible to music mm-hmm. so you preach from the bible right and if you add music to it that is where the people will start to pay attention uh-huh. and really start to I, i'm going to use my own word envelop what envelop. the word actually mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. so when you think about gospel music it's not just for because some people think it's just for entertainment right but it, that's not what it's about. It's a whole no, lot deeper than that. It's so it's much a whole deeper. Lot deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, yes, of course, there are some some entertainment that you get out of it. But absolutely, and, know, and, you... and it does have entertainment value. I, mm-hmm. A lot of people are afraid to say that, but it does have entertainment value. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. I I said there were times. Look at when... the movies now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Look, look at the latest videos. It's all mm-hmm. entertainment value. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you know, you just never know who might be touched. Or, you just never know. Right. That's just, true. You just, because it will work for some, may not work for others. Now, yeah. here's something that uh, I didn't catch on until later in life was right. that I started learning scripture or really realizing that scripture was related to music and I would be singing right. something. And I remembered um, there was a church that my husband and I attended and they had this class where you had to memorize scripture. I don't know why, but right. anyway. Right. And they did that as kids, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> so the lady said, 
they Come gave on, us man. a scripture. And I was like, I said, okay, I read this. I've heard this before. Not right. until I put it into song. I was like, um, oh, okay, that's that song. Just, <laughs> and I can just remember. Think, just think how hallelujah, salvation and glory has come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You just never know where they'll pick you up at. Because that yeah. was in the 70s. Yeah. I talked and, to A. Jeffrey about that. Uh, right, and he, he isn't that a phenomenal story? How how he wrote it? Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, I, met, I met him in St. Louis in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. that was an accidental, as he said, it was an accidental song. Right, and actuality. I was, I was like, for real, <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> and it was a hit then. Yeah, and then it faded out, and now it's it back, and everybody and their mama singing it. Everybody. Thank you, Kanye. Mm. <laughs> we love and appreciate that. Hey, and see what and and I believe Kanye made a statement that that was something he remembered listening to as a kid. Uh huh. And he also did one on uh, Barrett, T.L. Barrett. He did a uh, hit on T.L. Barrett. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm and trying to remember the name of the song. And that lady's latest little baby and uh, Kurt Franklin song, the the woman uh, I can't call her name. She's a writer. She wrote, uh, "They that wait upon the Lord." I was on the show with. He shall shall renew us. I don't know why. You, I don't know why you got. <laughs> that was part of getting the beat. Right. Right. Like, so when you look at a conductor that stands in front of a right. orchestra, watch right, a conductor right. that stands in front of an orchestra. Right, they're moving. But there is, there's some that they get into it too, because they right. it looked like they about to throw their jacket off. But that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. That's <laughs> so the that helps them get in rhythm. That helps them get in right. rhythm. Right, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. This has been a joy. I know this has been so much fun. I've enjoyed myself thoroughly. It was, <laughs> and it's wonderful talking with you and some, and some of you. Absolutely. We have to do this again. Oh yeah, we do. Yes, we do. And we will, and we will, because I'm probably going to find a topic because okay. I would like to talk with you and somebody else. So I'll figure it out. Okay. We'll I'm also on. dean for the Music and Arts Love Fellowship that's Ed and Walter Hawkins for um, seven years. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I was responsible for bringing all the people together. Richard Smallwood. Uh, oh, I love him. Oh my gosh. Love him. When you talk about now, okay, now you get ready to, to really make me uh, cry. Don't but anyway. Love? Listen, my roommate was the one responsible for giving him his first record contract. His name okay. was Donald Watkins. Okay. I, I saw a picture of Donald. I was like, what is he doing with Richard? And I asked Rich, I said, did you know Donald Watkins? He says, yes, he was the one who, was, who signed me up. I was like, sign wow. me up. <laughs> amazing, just amazing. Now, um, I took classical piano as a right. kid because I wanted to be a classic. That's what I said. I wanted to be a classic pianist. And of course, during that time, they tell you, you little black girl, you can't be a, a concert pianist, you know classical music uh-uh so when i first heard him put classical music to gospel music right 
and to come, oh my goodness, I almost fell out my chair. Right, <laughs> absolutely. Especially uh, Yezu, uh, Joy of Man's Desire. Jesus love. Oh yes, oh yes. Oh my goodness. That's an incredible musician. Yes, he is. An incredible musician. Oh my goodness gracious. Don't get me started. Don't get yeah, me started. Phenomenal. But I am going to ask you to tell my audience All right. how to get in contact with you, if they'd like to get in contact with you, and what you have coming up. Okay. I'd first like to thank you for uh and Sonia for having me on and to your listening audience. Thank you for listening. You know, I hope you enjoyed the uh, conversation and the dialogue that we had. Uh, you can reach me at 415-412-6314. And uh, my latest project is called Wait, as you see here, da 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 <laughs> It's on the Twin Kim label, and I'm on all social media. Uh, you can't miss me if you put my name in, K-E-V-A-N-P-E-A-B-O-D-Y. It, it will take you there. You'll find me faster than the IRS will find you. How about that? Now, how you like Don't that, nobody huh? want the IRS finding them. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to learn something about, I'm also featured in this book right here. It is The King of Gospel by Bob Maravich, where I do interview an interview with him regarding the history of Reverend James Cleveland. And uh, I'm getting ready to write my own book. Uh, if you go on the YouTube, our YouTube channel, it is at Twin Kim Productions, T-W-I-N-K-E-M uh, Productions. And what you will find is our latest project is called a celebration of, of uh, gospel music. And we do lift every voice and sing a celebration of black history, a celebration of black history. I thank you again for having me on and Sonia, and I'm looking forward to seeing this and I hope that you get a great response. Well, thank you so much. I want to thank my guest, Kevin Peabody, for participating in this segment on Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. These shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. Very excited. <laughs> I hope you, yeah. the audience, enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please send me an email sharing your thoughts about this show segment. Also, if you have any suggestions of future guests you would like to hear on the show, send an email to let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. You may also like and share the episode, and you may subscribe to be alerted when the newest episode is published. I am your host, Ansonia, saying, let's sing, let's shout, and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, take care and God <laughs> This episode has been sponsored by Nelsie IT. The disaster has happened. We were all caught off guard March 2020. And in many cases, there is now a rebuilding process which must take place. How does this affect you as a church leader or a small business owner? With over 20 years of experience, we can help you create an emergency response 
and a business continuity plan for your church or your small business. We discuss methods of preparing for the next emergency or disaster. Here are a few things we can speak to you about for your church. How to continue communicating with your congregants without access to your physical location. How do members reach the leadership staff? What about church records? Are they safe and available? And here are a few things we will cover for a small business. Communicating with your customers and meeting their needs and or orders. Do you have a backup process to keep your business records safe? We can talk about technology, security, and record keeping. For more information, contact us at 708-762-3587. That's 708-762-3587. And we can discuss how you can feel more comfortable in creating a emergency response plan and or a business continuity plan.